Hello, everybody. I am so excited. Guys, you know how I shared with you recently that I've been just like, you know, ups and downs of life, been been dabbling in a bit of uh, some depression lately and stuff. And, and the reason why I love sharing that kind of stuff and, and keep up with my current moods, my personal development, things that I'm learning and how they're impacting my life is so that uh, you guys can have a more informed idea. And I think it adds to the podcast. And especially, you can believe me when I say that I'm very excited about something. And I am. I don't I don't just get excited about things, guys. I am. Indifference is my baseline. And I am absolutely thrilled to be launching Head Talks, doing a test run in December. It's going to be a psychedelic version of stand-up science, so I can kind of keep that world a little separate and, and target different, uh, you know, that demographic um, differently and improve my marketing efforts and really give a, a place for people to meet others in the community because I know that's really important to be finding the others out there and uh, you know stand up science um, on paper it's a fantastic idea and it's a fun show but it, because it's such a mixed bag you you don't you don't know if uh, like I I book someone I don't necessarily know if if uh, the audience is going to be as into hyenas or something as as I am and you know I I love all the subject matter that I that I book on stand up science but it's not always as uh, relatable or, or it's not everyone going to uh, not all topics are going to grab each person in the same way just like this podcast but the great thing about head talks is everyone that shows up there is going to love the show they're going to be interested in the subject matter and I have a fantastic guest helping kick it off, Sophia Rocklin, who was on this podcast not too long ago, just had her book come out that she co-authored, When Plants Dream. Fantastic book. I met Sophia over the summer and uh, we're on a speaker series together and I have just never seen such a natural presenter. That's the other thing with booking stand-up science. I've I've done like 90 of these now and and a lot of people are really good at it. And once in a while there's people that just aren't aren't uh, as comfortable in, in that environment and and some people are just um, better presenters than others. And so I really wanted to lock down someone that I knew would be great to kick things off because the idea is I'll, I'll be recording some of these shows, putting together kind of a, a preview for future shows to come next year. And man, I'm going to have my work cut out for me trying to find guests at this level. She's in the Amazon right now uh, helping to uh, helping to save a lot of the kind of traditions going on down there and and uh, ayahuasca use and and helping to save the jungle ultimately helping to save the earth so we are upping the ante with this tour it's going to be fun it's going to be funny um, it's going to be fascinating. She'll be doing a book signing afterwards. I'm going to get some other guests in a couple of the cities to join us as well. I shouldn't even say this, but because it's not, 
completely confirmed. But just to give you a sense, the guy that did the artwork for for Here We Are, that wonderful logo, came to me during a DMT trip, by the way, and, and made it perfectly for me. Topher Sipes might be joining us in Austin in December, and, and that's the hope, is that it's going to be a little more of a um, kind of variety show, get get people from all different aspects of the psychedelic community. I'll be interviewing them on stage. We're going to have laughs. We're going to learn. We're going to blow some minds. I am thrilled about this. I think this is going to be the most successful tour that I've ever put together, if I can pull it off. It's going to be so much work. So how can you help? Well, if you don't happen to be in Lincoln, Nebraska, Wichita, Kansas, Oklahoma City, Dallas, Texas, or Austin, Texas, you might know people that are. Let's start generating some buzz. Tickets are now available online, maybe not for Oklahoma City. Hopefully it's updated by the time you're getting this, but all the other tickets should be online and or within days of you listening to this. And anything you can do to help spread the word, if we sell this out, that means, one, I have a, I have a budget. To, I've been trying to get academics to tag along with me on tour and kind of build a rapport and get this, the shows running like really consistently. And it's, it's really hard for people to break away from their academic jobs and their families and everything else. So, you know, having someone hopefully sell a bunch of books and, and um, make it worth their time and spread the word through the community for me is going to make all the difference. So let's make these first five shows absolutely amazing. Go to shanemoss.com. It starts December 5th, ends December 12th, and it's going to be really, really, really amazing. I am so pumped. And in uh, in related news, the Myco Meditations Retreat, the Psilocybin Retreat in, in Jamaica, January 18th through 25th, that I'll be at. My, you can go any time of year to Myco Meditations. There's always doing a great job, getting great, great therapists and everything else down there for, um, for people. But if you want to be there with yours truly, it's January 18th through 25th. And at the time that I'm recording this, there are only four spots left. And this may be the last one that I'm doing for a while. I believe in this. I've put so much into this and it's been a challenge to get the word out. I'm handing out flyers at shows and everything else. And, and, um, you know, it's people have a hard time finding time and finding the right time and finding the budget for it. And I have a hard, I can, I only have so much of a budget with my time and my ability to advertise things. And, and this is just one week out of the year for me. I have, um, putting together shows and everything that I'm doing right now is a tremendous undertaking. And, um, and so, you know, if, if, uh, if I can't fill these retreats faster then the demand is not there for, for me to do more, um, just yet. So we, we've talked about, we're not going to be doing another one in 2020, even, even though they're interested in, in doing another one, possibly doing two, two a year. This is unfortunately it, it's been worth putting extra effort and work into this because I absolutely believe in it. I've seen people's lives changed during these retreats. It's worth putting my name on it. It's worth having some negative response or something because of that. I haven't seen that happen. I've only seen people have amazing life-changing things. And so, yeah, if you want to check that out again, go to shanemossmauss.com to find out more and enjoy today's episode. Are we? Yes. 
Where are we? Here. Why are we here? Not entirely clear. We are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all. It's immensely bizarre. Here we are. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Here We Are podcast. Today, I am back. I'm in my hometown. I'm at the University of Wisconsin, La Crosse, talking with biology professor Anne Galbraith is joining me today. Anne, thank you for coming on the show. You're welcome. It's nice to be here. Yeah. Um, so, this is exciting. I know we're going to talk a little bit about your work, and then we're also going to be talking about just one of your favorite interests and one of your favorite teaching subjects, epigenetics. And yes. I was saying we, we haven't talked nearly enough about epigenetics on the program. So looking forward to this, but why don't we start with, with telling the folks what you do and a little bit of your background. Sure. So we're actually sitting here in my lab space, which we got last year. So we haven't even been in here for a year yet. So I'm really grateful. This thing, it's like so, you still got the... Yeah, the, I think some of the stickers are still Yeah, you here. still got like the stickers and the, there's an instruction manual in this, this hood situation yeah, don't touch that, that. Yeah, that that's, you have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's bad. But um, yeah, it's okay. We'll just sterilize you later. But um, no, it's, oh, it's, it's and, pretty and sweet. Oh, no, never bacteria here. And then I, I went put my yeah, paws on the thing. Dirty, yeah, you well, no, exactly. you can always just get rid you of this and throw a new one in there. It's, it's, it's good. Um, but yeah, so pretty grateful that we got this building because the other one was pretty much a mess. It's actually still here. My office is over there, but... Brand spanking new... Brand new, sun. new paint, I, that I new car so, smell. You know, oh, I yeah. was just... I don't read newspapers much, but I was in town, or I've been in town for a week or so, and uh, my parents get the Lacrosse Tribune, mm-hmm. and I I saw there's some headline about some sort of science funding hubbub that happened yes. recently. Yeah, like it's pretty, it's pretty sweet. Yes. Yeah, so you guys yeah. got something. Well, I mean, this, and then there was a, um, a very generous donor who, oh. who contributed um, some money to help support. Um, student scholarships also. So that's Wonderful. Yeah. All right. Terrific. Go science. Yeah. So what do you do in this fancy new so, building? I have a space in here where I actually work with a number of other colleagues who are working on the same project. So we kind of work together on the same thing. And it stemmed from a couple of folks a long time ago who, well, long, over 10 years ago, which is kind of long, who started looking for natural products in plants and fungi to use as antimicrobials. So you probably heard you know, the whole antibiotic resistance mm-hmm. story and how um, we're all going to die someday from an infection. And um, there's also an increase in true or not true, which the, the die from infection. Yeah. Uh, well, we won't all die probably, but weak people will. Okay. Yes. And that's an so it's a concern. It is. And it's a financial concern, economic concern health concern, mortality, you know. So CDC and World Health Organization are all into trying to find new kinds of antibiotics. And one place that people started looking was in um, plants and fungi because they have to get rid of pathogens for a living. They don't get antibiotics. They can't go to the doctor when they're sick. Um, and so some um, a couple of my colleagues back in the day um, worked with some students to purify a compound from a plant called a sweet fern and which is 
not a fern, but that's what its common name is. And this particular compound um, had some antimicrobial properties, and then the organic chemists took over and did what they do, which is put doodads on it. And there's oh like a whole, man, oh, yeah, you guys got doodads do. around here. Doodads. Organic, uh, this, organic this brand doodads. new building must yes. be chuck full of doodads. There are so many doodads. They're everywhere. Wow, everywhere. That's exciting. And they have them all. So they actually collaborated with some folks at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee and built a library of compounds that are all related to this original one. And there's several that are way more potent. And that's the one that we're working on. So actually, we um, are trying to figure out how it works, basically. And um, I work with yeast, which is not the icky yeast, like yeast infection yeast, just going to clarify that mm. um it's baker's yeast which is the yummy delicious yeast so this is the one that you use to make bread and donuts and beer and wine and all the other yummy things and it's been used as a model system for a super long time um, what's that word model system? model system oh, mo- model. oh i know what a yeah, model yeah, system yeah, yeah. is i yeah, misheard you yeah so instead of throwing humans in a shaker and trying to figure it out right, right, yeast right. It, it works um so that's what our focuses. So we are working with that critter um, to try to figure out how this compound kills it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are some other folks in the same space, actually, who are working with other kinds of critters to see how it kills those. And there seems to be some maybe universal thing that's going on that's um, allowing the compound to kill certain kinds of cells. But it doesn't seem to hurt a mouse, which is a good thing, right? So if you stick the stuff in a mouse... If it's going to have a bad side effect on humans, ultimately, um, it might have that same bad side effect on a mouse, and the mice survived just fine. Um, a paper got published a few years back that showed that it could clear a staph infection in a mouse without hurting the mouse. So hmm. there's some promise here, but we have to figure out how it works because, you know, a lot of, um, if, if we were ever going to license this or, or send it off to some other company to work on. They do want to know how the thing works. but mm-hmm. So that's um, the focus of, of what we work on in here and go at it from a variety of different angles and stuff. How do you know when you're kind of working to, uh, when you're fighting this battle of against infections and uh, developing these new antimicrobial doodads, uh, how do you know that you're you aren't um, it inadvertently? It isn't always the issue that you're that you're um, uh, also moving the progress of the sure. uh, of the infection of yeah, this yeah. like I mean, kind so of red it's, it's queen like this, sort of right exactly. It's like this coevolution thing, right? So, yeah. So once you have a new compound and you start using it to treat, you're actually selecting for the ones that are resistant naturally, and then. Now, all of a sudden, those are the only ones around, which is one of the things that's probably going on right now. But the, I think the rationale is that um, if you have multiple kinds of ways to hit them. So one of the problems with the antibiotics we have now is that they all kind of look the same and they work uh, the same. I see. And so if you can get out of that box and get some that work in slightly different ways, um, it'll probably end up that the way we'll have to treat I mean, is just hitting it with multiple kinds of things that kill from different directions. And that would be more effective. In fact, there was a paper um, out a while back, too, that um, they were able to kill MRSA just by attacking it with different kinds of compounds that work differently. Hmm. So that's probably, um, that's an approach that might work, at least for a while. 
but um, yeah but um you know that's right now i mean for you know of course this is the this is the story that i tell everybody right so i'm working on antibiotics right but for me this has just become a what the hell? <laughs> like, what is this thing doing? Like, I, cause I watched the yeast die. I mean, they, they look, it's really sad to watch them. If you listen really carefully, you can hear the little screams. <laughs> Actually, if you do hear the little screams, you should probably stop working for a while. It means you're tired. But, um, but, you know, what is it that they're actually doing to this? Cause they do all kinds uh-huh. of weird things, um, to try to survive. And so for me, it's more of a, you know, what are you doing? to these poor cells that's making them behave this way. Um, and um, so for me, it's, it's scientific curiosity, but the, but the front story is always antibiotics. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make an antibiotic. Hmm. Is, is there with a, I remember I had someone on years ago. Um, so I'm sure I'm just going to really butcher all of this. Please do. Um, fantastic cutting edge work, but she was talking about, cancer cells and the idea of kind of taming the tumor was the way that she put it where where is if you go in there and try to eliminate the entire tumor and you miss a few cancer cells or whatever then those are the most resistant ones and now you're really screwed and and one of uh, so this novel uh, approach or kind of counterintuitive approach was that there's some of the cancer cells actually keeping some of the more resistant cancer cells at bay in a way because uh, because right. there's different it's cancer cells kind of fighting their own war sure. amongst one another and so this with this way of like you're shrinking the tumor but not not totally trying to eliminate it because you know that you're maybe only eliminating 99.9% right. ultimately anyway and if you're accepting that then then uh is there something like that going on with infections it, it, generally as it, well? It may be. We know that bacteria have ways, of course, of resisting the antibiotic, not just from the drug itself, but just hiding in your body. So, and that's another, you know, kind of creepy thing to think about <laughs> that, that you get some infection, you get your antibiotic, but some of the bacteria have slipped into places that are. Um, keeping them away from the immune cells and like the, the little toe. Yeah, that's probably. where I, I would think hide. It would be see, but that's obvious because you thought of it right away, right? <laughs> so it'd have to be somewhere else. Like maybe, maybe that the upper that little upper pointy part of your ear. Oh yeah, I no think one that's pays any attention to Nobody that. Nobody puts drugs there. <laughs> Nobody puts antibiotics there. So, but you know, so places that are wow. What so what are the what are the mechanisms that's driving that know, migration? Aren't they super creepy smart? That I mean, is that's, interesting. That's, that's why I said yeah. at the beginning we're all going to die. From- yeah, well, I mean, we're all, yeah. all going mean, to die. Gonna die I love reminding people of that Dude, fact. That's people good. don't I was think a about their mortality about enough. Being the first one to say that. No, I think people. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think people live so much of their lives trying to repress the very yes. idea of ever even like a yeah, whisper. Like, yeah, Sorry. let's get it out there. But that, I mean, that is, I've never heard of such a thing that they're, they're able to migrate around. They're, they just, huh. they're fascinating little creatures. And that, but then when, and then, I mean, I guess if you don't necessarily know how that is happening, then you're not going to know the answer of the next question, which is like, when you go and hide, when do you know when it's like safe well, to come out? Exactly. And then they, right. And then they do come out and then they, 
Well, you send like little bits at a time. You know, they know that there's like chemical signals that they send it. They, you know, like if if that's their way of talking to each other, they talk. They also battle each other. So I've read some papers where um, they send out. There's little bacteria wars that they are shooting out chemicals and trying to kill other kinds of bacteria. And I don't know. I can't remember if that's going on in your body. I'm pretty. I mean, this this paper anyway was set up. They were. Um, it was a contrived system where they just put them in the same culture together. But um, I mean, but you get so many bacteria, not you specifically, yeah. although maybe you, but you have lots of bacteria of all different species hanging out all over you and inside you. So they have to, I don't know, communicate somehow. Right. And like, <laughs> um, and, and know that each other's there. It's like, we are on, you know, when you go to the park and you're hanging out and there's birds and squirrels and people's dogs and all the other people and all that stuff. You're all just hanging out and not really paying too much attention to each other, but that's going on inside you and on your skin and in your guts. And that's a whole nother, I mean, gut biome is a whole nother. You should find somebody to talk about that on here because that's another really cool topic. Well, you hook me up with a gut biome yes. person and I'll, <laughs> and I'll have them unhappily. Is So is there... Is there like a, uh, I wonder if there's like, what's the word that I'm searching for? Um, like a action potential sort of, uh, sort of situation where they're, uh, uh, where an infection that's, that's hiding and maybe sending like a few things out to see if it's, it's clear out there. Like when, I, I'm wondering when that point is where it like releases the floodgates of yeah. like, okay, yeah, now that's like, go, charge. Yeah. I, I was thinking of that with, with a even less tangible, uh, more out there idea right. of like emotion regulation. Emo- emotions do this sometimes right. yeah, where you yeah, haven't yeah. had like a cry in a while and then you're listening to the song and uh, you don't right. normally like country music, right. but gosh darn it, I have a dog in <laughs> a truck. Felt that. I felt that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> like all of a sudden, <laughs> like, it all comes out. Right. What, like there right. was this army right. of right. sadness yes. that's right. been waiting for this opportunity. <laughs> I think that's exactly how this works. <laughs> maybe there's they hear. Maybe they can hear the song from inside. Yeah. You know? So the the dog and the truck and the, and the grandma and, it's and just there's probably a tractor. The Right amount of uh, of boxes being checked and criteria being there's some regulatory mechanism in there, and I wonder if there's something like that going on with with uh, infections as yes. well. What an interesting, I mean, that we have these just universes of complexity inside of us all of the oh, time. Yeah. No, that sometimes are. I think about that, and, and it's just ridiculous. I know. <laughs> it's, it's like, they're everywhere. And then, like, driving our, our behavior, yeah, I'm sure, in a variety of ways. There's some science about that as well. Making that us vote in certain ways. I read somewhere where, uh, I don't know if they make you vote, but they do make you crave well, sweets. I've heard, which is like a nice justification. Crave sweets? Yep. That is, yep. As like uh, trying to procure energy, Probably. like fast yep. energy. Yep. Huh. Yeah, the vote. I mean, that's the like you get a you you get a sick or an infection or something, and the idea is is that it um, it lowers your your level of um, what a psychologist would categorize as openness and openness being related to 
uh, correlating with voting. Um, and oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so there's, there's a little bit of yeah. uh, that kind of, uh, it's just real fun. And then, and then like the, and then just embodied consciousness of kind of feeling how you feel on the inside, you project on the outer right, world. So right. you get some infection and then you kind of, Perceive uh, you, right. you perceive threats everywhere in the environment because you're under attack. Exactly. Yeah. What an odd existence is this weird. is. It's <laughs> a strange world and a strange thing. Please walk Sparky for me. No way. <laughs> I'll throw in a caramel frappe. Ooh, make it a large deal. Get a sweet deal. Two dollar any size McCafe beverage on the McDonald's app. Between you and me, Sparky, I would have walked you for free. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Offer valid through 4322 or participate in McDonald's. Valid one time per day. McDonald's app download and registration required. What's the day-to-day existence of, like, what is the, like, the day-to-day research of, of, uh, trying to figure this out? And you got your, you, I walk in here, you got... You got a little team of people, and this mm-hmm. is the summertime. This yeah. I don't know when this episode's going to be released, but we're recording in the summer, right. so this is this yeah. is probably I imagine during the school year things are really moving and grooving. I think in during the, the school year, there's well, probably in here there's about as many people, but um, mm. I don't have as much time to be in here in the school year, so I mostly keep it going by through my students. What you're doing all the teaching stuff? I, yeah, because there's because most of yeah. my work during the school year is teaching classes and trying to keep my head above water. But mm-hmm. um, in the summertime, this place is very different because we have a number of summer programs for students to do research. And so it's more of a um, more of a research place in the summer. And there's some teaching, but not as much, at least in science. So, um, so there's, I have about five or six students working the summer on various things and Hmm. This is when I have time to show them how to do new cool things that I wouldn't maybe have time to show them in the summer or in the school year. So I, um, um, we can move things forward actually more in the summer. I don't get paid for it though, just plug. But it's just, <laughs> but this is my, you know, this is why I came to a place like this was I really love teaching a lot. Um, but one of the drawbacks then is that you are teaching and you don't yeah. have time to do research, which I also love doing. So the, um, so you just end up doing that more in the summer, kind of on your own time. So, yeah, I mean, today I'm like, do I want to go and so nice rock out. climb in oh stores, or yes. do I want to go to the beach? Yes, just exactly. humble bragging I, my problems. I think, I think you just want to hang out in here. And talk, <laughs> yeah, talk about science in a tiny, tiny room. <laughs> I kind of do enjoy talking about science in a tiny, tiny room. Um, I so. So in terms of, um, in terms of your research, what are, uh, can you walk me through the process? I, I never went to college. I don't actually have a science background. I've never actually worked in a lab. And I sometimes like to picture like, the different sliding door parallel lives what what shane's up to in other parallel universes of 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 realms of possibilities so uh, what what's it like doing so forget about the the teaching aspect for a moment because we're that's going to be the next thing we're going to talk about um what what's it like doing research you're like okay we're gonna we're gonna get this cutting edge 
right. um, antibiotic and so the 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 fun part is thinking about it yeah. and reading about it and that's what I want to do. Yes, I don't want to do not, any right. of the other stuff. Um, the hard part, the less exciting part, depending on the person, is the actual bench work because yeah. that can be really tedious. Things don't work. Um, you know, like there could be a day where um, a whole bunch of things go really well and you move forward and you feel like you had a really good day, and then the next day you can't. I don't know, get the door to open. I mean, it's just, yeah. you know, there's just stuff that some, always is going Some wrong. comic comes in, starts yeah, touching all the sterilized. And ruins and, the entire thing. I mean, as you can imagine, as we know it, yeah. <laughs> comedians aren't the most sterile no, folks is, out yeah, there. You, you, yeah, I, mean, I didn't want to say anything, but, you know. So, um, so those kinds of things happen. You know, so what's fun about my job is that although I do some of the bench work myself, um, most of that is pawned off on the students who mm-hmm. love it and they need to learn those skills because that makes them marketable when they go out and try to find jobs or go to grad school or do whatever they're going to do. Um, and I already know how to do that, so I don't need to hone my <laughs> skills right. in that regard. But So I get to do the sort of upper, more thinking part. And, and you know, I encourage the students to also think about what they're doing and try to come up with ideas and bring them to the table. But they're um, less able to do that until they get really good at it um so it's kind of a nice deal for me i feel like because again i've gone through all the parts that they're doing right now and i just get to come up with the crazy ideas and say hey do you want to do this (laughs) how does this sound you want to try this and see if it works and and help guide them through and figure out what they're doing wrong if things aren't working but yeah so it depends on what where you are right so i feel like i get to do all the fun parts and (laughs) And then I have my minions who love doing the parts that I would not find as enjoyable anymore. But What's the most epic failure you've experienced where you sunk like two years into this like promising oh, bit oh. of research? Because uh, this is everyone, I feel like anyone like really going for it and, and trying to do ambitious things, yes. you're going to have these. Oh, yeah, yeah, this yeah. happens in comedy. I'd like develop some show and worked real hard for a year. And I'm like, it's ready. And then I present it and everyone in the crowd is like, no, that's, stop that's, that's talking about that. <laughs> uh, actually, there's none of that in science. It was just a big laugh. Actually, the biggest epic fail. So I didn't used to do this research. So the biggest epic fail for me is that I actually used to work on something else in the same critter because yeast is delicious and it smells so good. But um, actually, the cultures smell like alcohol when you let them go, uh-huh. which is you know, uh, not the worst thing. No, I mean, it's way better enjoyable. than smelling like butt, which is what a bacteria smells like when you grow up. Bacteria just smells they like smell, butt. A lot of them do. A lot of, yeah, huh. they smell like butt or dirt. Dirt isn't that bad of a smell. No. Butt is not a great smell. No. Just not something you want to waft. Um, but, uh, so I work then, in this. So, so, <laughs> so, so a lot of times it's just like an earthy kind of butt smell um, around bacteria at best. E. coli uh-huh. comes out of your colon, legit. Uh-huh. So it smells like that. Yeah, yeah. And, you huh. know, it can't help it. 
No, it it's not trying to. I mean, it's probably proud of it. If you're it E. coli, that well, might be exactly yeah, like, the what the other E. coli are like, like, whoa. You are one of us, dude. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> I smell you are one of us. But um, but I do prefer the smell of yeast, not going to lie. Yeah, it yeah. smells like things that we eat and drink, so. But you don't get used to it, like no. you, you don't desensitize, and then you're like, mm. "I used to love it." And, no, uh, no, no, no. Well, okay. I, maybe I'm weird, which is possible. Mm. It is possible, but okay. but yeah. So I used to work on something completely different, but mm-hmm. then, uh, yeah. So funny story. So I'm taking my research to meetings where we go. This is gonna sound nerdy. So we yeast meetings, which so sure. all the people who work on this critter go to. You know, it's one of my converge, favorite things about science is the, now, the weird one conferences. Though, and, about conferences with yeah. yeast is that they have some good ass beer. Yeah, <laughs> right. Because it is because there's a lot of hint hint to the listeners. Exactly if you're that. ever if you're ever staying yeah. in a hotel, and there's a yeast you're walking by the on, conference room and it know, has the just, paper just up of like slap on one of those stupid stickers and put yeah. a name on it and go and see if you can get in because because um, they donate like there's a lot of um, breweries and stuff will donate beer to a yeast meeting right or at least hmm. give them on the cheap. In any event, so I'm presenting my research on posters and one of the things that started happening within the last decade or two is people start taking pictures of your research. So they just like take pictures of the poster and leave and then they like steal it, mm-hmm. which, you know, cause there's assholes in science. There's assholes sure. in every career, right? So that's how it is. So one day I'm like getting a grad student going on, you know, brand new, this is what we're going to work on, extend this work that we've been doing. And she's going through with literature reading papers and all of a sudden she goes, isn't this what, we're going to do, and there's a paper, and it's like <laughs> our stuff, and it's somebody else. And there's like a little phrase in the intro that that basically is they bit, some, yeah. something that we have been... Uh, or they call it scooping in scooping. science, yes. right? Scoops. Well, I was, I was using... In the rap game, yes. it's called biting. Yes, well, it I'm feels like I'm super hip. Biting. I just wanted people it to know that. It feels like biting, but uh, it's called scooping. Yeah, so... Um, and what's funny is that there was a there was a conclusion that was drawn by us. A hype, you know, this was our idea, but it's not published. Mm-hmm. And that was in their introduction that line, but it wasn't cited because it's not published anywhere, so they couldn't cite it. So I knew they had to steal it because there's no other explanation. Because there's no, they couldn't have read it anywhere. They couldn't have, you know, whatever. They had to have gotten enough. Son of a gun. You you want to name names? Oh. Name names. The trouble is. No, but so so what I was told, I actually forgot their names because I don't care that much. Um, Somebody told, it was actually at a really fancy institution in another country. Uh huh. Um, And it's a place where that's what they do all day. It's like science, 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 science. And we are teaching, 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 teaching science, teaching, teaching. So, um, Somebody told me, it's like, well, if you're going to get scooped, it's probably good to get scooped from there rather than like, I don't know. They're going to make good use of their... Some other UW school or something. Yeah. So, If your baby's going to get kidnapped, at least they're in a nice home. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. So, my baby got kidnapped. So, then I had to look for something else to do. And that's actually how I ended up with this project, which is... um, really super interesting and and i'm you know after the therapy and stuff no i didn't have they should have <laughs> science therapy yeah they should special 
for this kind of thing. Yeah, but they don't. You, you Maybe think... I could just do that instead. Uh, <laughs> well, there's <laughs> this the whole side. field called on the side. psychology. I have a psych close. minor. I could totally. It's I have a couch there. in my office. <laughs> well, this will be after <laughs> after they scoop this. Then you can yeah, move. Yeah, well, nobody else scoop this because nobody has this. Yeah, knock on wood. There's no wood in here. Um, yeah, I don't think anybody will scoop this because it's too far along and no. there's other things that they could work on instead. But Well, okay, so this is a nice time to move into your, uh, your teaching because, sure, sure. uh, well, it's good that you like teaching. Oh, yeah. I imagine there's a lot of people out there that love the research. What drives them is making that next big breakthrough and having to get up there and walk these uh, bunch of freshmen that are half interested (laughs) through the little baby steps of this thing is this pain in the butt redundant thing that you have to do and then i'm sure there's other people that that teaching is what they live yes. for as well. Well, we hope those people that you talked about first are not here. <laughs> yeah. Because our primary mission is that Is that a thing teaching. that you can do? It, can you be it, it, Can you be like, I just want to do research. Yes. I hate children. So you can children. either like, do industry or um, like the bigger institutions like the Madison, the University of Iowa, Minnesota, those places. Those are more geared for research-oriented people. And they teach, but it's very minimally. Mm-hmm. So I went to the University of Iowa for grad school, and my person, my PI, who um, was my boss for my research, um, he taught two classes a year total. And he actually loved teaching, so he put his heart and soul into the two whole classes. I mean, I teach, you know, six to eight, depending on the year. So, it, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like, um, you have to love it here or you're not going to come cause, or stay because it's, it's most of my job. Mm. So I wanted to teach since I was a little kid. It just kept like when I was, when I was little, I would make assignments for my poor sister to do and homework and, <laughs> and I would read adorable. like old junky discarded textbooks and stuff from school that they would throw out or give away I would bring them home and like fake be teaching I don't know what I was teaching dandelions I don't know whatever yeah um, whoever would listen and the dandelions can't run <laughs> so the, probably those and um, anyway and so every every like milestone of you know, as I moved through school, I would just say, oh, I want to teach the last one I did. <laughs> so yeah. at some point I wanted to teach high school when I was in college. I went to college to teach high school biology. And then I was just like, oh, but I really like the science better. And it was more education and not as much science. And I yeah. quickly switched and then just I- kind of went through, went to grad school, realized I could teach college by going to graduate school and getting a higher degree. I'm like, yeah, I can do that. Hmm. So, yeah, I've had, I've had similar and kind of opposing trajectory as well, where, um, my whole life, since I was little, I knew I just wanted to like bark divisive opinions at people without like walking them through how sure. I got there no, or like stuff. teaching them how they yeah. can have their own right. ideas. Right. That's, 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 a good, that's a good goal to have as a three-year-old. That's, that's good. Yeah. But yeah. actually teaching is a little bit of stand-up comedy too. Not going to lie. Oh yeah. Well, you got to throw those jokes yeah, out there. Wake them up once in a while. Oh, I wake them up a lot. <laughs> 
So um, I have the ones that I use routinely every semester, and then I yeah, feel kind of yeah, guilty. Yeah, gotta like, get that routine. But I can't believe you know. It's oh, like, wow, you're are you kidding again. me? Again, I feel dirty. No, you got No, you got to find new little nuances within that. Yeah, and sometimes I'll just say things like, "It's like," and I didn't intend it to be funny, and then. Like, but I'm saying even those same jokes, like I, I have to tell the same jokes yeah. like hundreds of sure. times sometimes. Right. Yes. And you have to like rediscover yourself, little intricacies. Because otherwise it's just boring. Right, like, right, I right. Said this. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so like one time I was talking about colon cancer and no offense to anybody with colon cancer. My dad had it. Mm-hmm. Right? I get got scoped young because of that. So Sure. Um, but... I just said how, you know, you acquire mutations in these different genes and, you know, it's kind of a crapshoot whether or not in a crapshoot. Yeah, and I, I seriously, I lost the class. I didn't know that I had said it really because I just said crapshoot to mean, you know, it's all a gamble. And, and then I turn around and the whole place is like, they're done. Like They were <laughs> class like, is, class is over. No, they're like laughing and they oh. won't stop. And then I was like, what did I say? Oh, um, you didn't mean to say crap. I did not. I see. See, so some of the best ones are. But now, now you but can now use, use that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's why that feel, happens. That's why I feel well. dirty because I'm like, oh, I'm sort of recycling this thing that I just said randomly. But yeah, yeah. Um, and there's lots of other ones. Some of them. Are and then it doesn't work as well once yeah, you planned it and it's contrived and, and you don't have the yeah, same energy. So what an interesting complex world. It is. One of your favorite subjects is epigenetics. It is, it is. Why don't we, you know, I am sometimes in the habit of assuming my listeners have just listened intently <laughs> to every single episode well, I've they? ever Obviously. released and is up to speed on everything. You should be. But it should, I mean, it's actually been a little while since we've talked about it. And sure. I'm not sure that we've ever done like a... Uh, official like 101 sure. of epigenetics yeah. so let's let's walk people right. into it so here's here's the basic idea so um p- people are probably aware that you get mutations in genes and that can cause disease and other kinds of things and that's sort of been the focus in genetics for a really long time but now we're realizing and by now i mean probably 30 years ago until <laughs> now um that it's more than that so it's in addition to getting your genes screwed up that way, which is sort of a permanent change that can lead to disease and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, There's these chemical marks that get put on the DNA and it makes the DNA get wrapped in a slightly different way. So your DNA is wrapped up super tight so it can fit inside a tiny little cell. There's There's like some crazy, like if you took all of your DNA... Um, from your whole body, from all the cells, and ran it end to end, it would go to the sun and back like almost twenty times. I and, love, I love the little, that's, I, that's, I, I like the metaphors. Yes. Like, and that. I actually did the math because I thought that yeah. was ridiculous. I was like, what? That's wrong. Don't read everything you see on the internet. I did the math. It's true. <laughs> it's, it is true. So oh. I always feel, and then I, you know, and I always say, well, it's like, so all that DNA that could go mm. the sun and back almost twenty times has to smush down to fit inside your body. Mm-hmm. And and it's like no wonder I feel like I'm under pressure all the time because <laughs> yeah. it's like boing like any time it's gonna go blowing off to the side. <laughs> so um, 
So the DNA gets super wrapped up. Uh And so that means that things that need to access it to use the genes um, can get left out. so, So cells on purpose will put these little marks, these little chemical modifiers on the DNA to on purpose wrap it up even tighter. And that makes it so you can't access the gene and use it. So it's the equivalent of, I don't have the gene, like it's mutated. It's not really changed at all, though. It's not mutated. It's perfectly fine. It's just that you can't use it because it's Mm. all wrapped up. And so cells do this on purpose to allow certain genes to be used so they would not be wrapped as tight and then to tighten down ones that the cell doesn't need to use. Hmm. So keep Boy, in mind I am glad of, I asked because so, yeah, I did not know these mechanisms. Because all of your cells have all of the DNA uh-huh. all the time, right? Well, I mean, with some exceptions. So, um, so I have all genes needed to be a human in every cell. But I didn't even use them all, right? So even during development, you start shutting things down. Like, I didn't make a penis, so I didn't use those. I didn't mm-hmm. use those genes. Um, and, you know, I didn't use – I <laughs> hopefully don't grow facial hair. Um, so the, all those things that are human have to get manipulated and changed in some way, but they're still there. They're not mutated. They're just shut off. And so that's what epigenetics is. It's basically um, being able to – manipulate or shut on or keep or you know shut off or keep on certain genes that the cell needs to do cell things whatever it is that that cell type does and um interestingly about this is that they've started noticing that there's transgenerational effects and that's the part that has come out more recently so so my analogy is this so when i was so I was in college. I got pregnant when I was nineteen. <laughs> Oopsies! I always joke that I just missed that lecture on in in, in anatomy and physiology. But um, so I was pregnant and poor, <laughs> and had a, had cravings oddly for apple pies from the vending machine. Brand name, not gonna say, but mm-hmm. loved them. Hate them. Hate them now. Hated them before. Always do. Right now, I'm drooling, thinking about the concept of this apple pie. And if I ate one, I would spit it out and be like, what is wrong? So there's something weird in my brain about that. I don't know what happened. So in any event, so I'm eating these things. And I'm pregnant with my now grown daughter who has had children. Okay. So in mammals like me and other human females, um, the, the eggs that are going to be used for the next generation, so her eggs were being developed while she was inside me. Yeah. Okay. So I have grand, I have grand eggs yeah. when I'm 19 inside me, mm. eating these apple pies and other things. Probably not good food either. Um, turns out that during development and during the development of those eggs even, the food that we're eating is the source, in most cases, of these little chemical marks that get put on the DNA. And they get put on the DNA during development. So, of course, these eggs, my grand eggs, um, are being influenced by my diet. Mm. And those marks that get put on are permanent for the most part. So now (laughs) I have um, grandkids who um, have been made from eggs that were influenced by me and my diet while I was pregnant with their mom. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's transgenerational, right? So we're looking at all these crazy epidemics of things that are going on, right? So everybody's obese. Everybody has autism. Everybody has, you know, there's all these like diseases that we can't get handles on or trying to figure out what genes are involved in the mutations and all this other stuff. And it, it's probably some of that, but it's probably also some of, I mean, this could be something that we could blame our grandparents on. Yeah. Because something that they were exposed to or something that they ate or something that happened two generations back could be in fact what's responsible in part for some of these things that we're seeing now. And and that's only because we've gone back you, two generations. You give me a reason to blame my grandparents this for is anything. It. This and is I'm- it. Now it's it's easier to understand how to blame grandmothers because of the whole the way that development works and, you know, grand eggs. Um, it's harder to understand how it would work with sperm because, you know, it's not like you're building sperm when the males are in utero. That doesn't happen. Um, but there's but there's also evidence that it, that, that it moves through male lines, too. So there's hmm. something going on. So my best my best favorite paper that I ever read um, is something psychology. So these folks were um, they're studying um fear in and they're using mice so they trained mice to be afraid of a smell Mm -hmm. which in and of itself is kind of fun so they did it by giving them an electric shock when they wafted the smell and it was like cherry almond acetophenone or some chemical that smells like cherry almond so now these mice are trained to fear that smell because they got an electric shock every time they smelled it and so now when they waft the smell in they're like you know like when's electric shock so now they're afraid of the smell which is completely irrational to you know except for these guys because they were trained to be that way they had offspring and those offspring mice um, without being trained to be afraid of the smell were afraid of the smell Mm -hmm. not all of them but a large percentage of them. And then their offspring, so the grandchildren of these trained mice, were also, some of them were, in fact, afraid of the smell, again, without being trained. So it was like this, they learned that that smell is danger, and they must, and they actually looked at a gene involved in the smelling of that smell, and it was marked differently, um, this epigenetic way. And then they... um, passed that on to their offspring and their grand offspring um, in this epigenetic way. And so then I think about, you know, all the stupid things that people are afraid of that don't make any sense, like, you know, fear of heights or fear of snakes or fear of whatever. And you learn that, you know, you don't learn that. Like I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I don't like, um, like insects in my house. I'm not a big fan. Outside, I'm fine because that's their their world. But I'm like, dude, you can't live in here. This is my space. Mm-hmm. Um, but I tried super hard not to teach my kids to be afraid of stuff like that because I knew it was stupid. You shouldn't be afraid of them. Just you know, deal with it. Um, yeah. But they are. <laughs> right. Know? And I, I swear, I work so hard at just like, oh, look, a giant spider is on my hand. And we'll just you got your outside. statistics and diagrams that I'm you're pointing out. inside, but I'm just like, let's put it outside. And, and nope, nope, still, still kind of thing. So what if, you know, these irrational fears that we have, maybe they're just epigenetic. There's, you know, somebody had something bad happen. So they were learned to be afraid, and then they and it makes sense evolutionarily that you, you know snakes are 
you know, some snakes will kill you. So it makes sense to be scared of them. But if nobody's ever seen a snake before, why would you even know that you should be scared of it? Unless there's something, you know, innate. And so maybe that's what this is. All right. About. I'm well, just totally making all this stuff up, by the way, because well, it makes sense. But um, yeah, I mean, it seems to me that it'd be a little hard to distinguish some of the what what has shaped something like a fear of spiders sure. um, from the difference between is it is it an epigenetic related thing or is or is this just the general more um, uh, the the more um, you know first model of genetics that you mentioned before before setting up epigenetics right. where it's just people that had a Fear of spiders survived, and that's the usual selection that we're all comfortable with. Because I, I mean, I think the the epigenetics idea shows, uh, and I, I think it's why why people are talking so much about it these days is because there is uh, there is a lot of hope and promise from within it that that is uh, that is maybe being um oh, yeah. uh, marketed, marketed <laughs> and and used in in um really uh shady kind of yeah. ways I, but- I always make sure that i also you know tell my students that there's all kinds of you know foods and special things that you can buy online that are supposed to keep you from this or that or not die from this or that. Um, and I just always remind people that nobody knows how this works. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, nobody knows how this works. So, you know, it, you can spend your money on whatever you want. That's totally fine. But um, just kind of be aware of the, you know, that people, people capitalize on people's fears and um, we really don't understand the science enough that you would know that this particular mineral powder is going to keep me from getting cancer ever yeah we just don't know so well uh, yeah but i mean like when i get my kombucha i know that (laughs) like i am accepting this lie to myself because i've because i spent three to four dollars on this drink which is three to four is, more dollars than I probably should have spent which on it. Which probably cost about four cents. <laughs> I, I, I now feel as if yes. I'm putting and, and something And that's why I say, good. so you spend your money on whatever you want, but realize right. that we really don't understand this. Uh, and it might work out. I mean, it says on the bottle, it, it says a renew, rejuvenate. Yeah. And, I mean, that might be the thing. That might be it. I mean, look at you. You're uh, yeah, so I mean, this is, this is all... <laughs> I mean, everything good about me that that, that there you know I have I have plenty of failures as well, but but the good aspects of who I am I mostly attribute yeah, to kombucha. That might be the only thing holding you together. Right? <laughs> really, That's the clue. it really That's the clue. is. Uh, Keeps the bacteria in your ear where they belong. <laughs> yeah. But I I mean I guess I guess the promise is is that. Um, much, much in the same way there is this, because, because there's also, uh, you know, there's, uh, transgenerational kind of trauma stuff sure. that happens yes, too. Right. Which, and there's, there's some correlation is, data about, you know, feast or famine kinds of situations. Um, there's been some. Right. The, yeah. what was the Dutch, the Dutch hunger? Yes. Uh, yeah. all, all kinds of, of cool things. And, and the thing about correlations are that for me anyway, is you got to realize that it doesn't mean that it one caused the other, but for me, they're just fun. Like, oh, there might be something. I hope somebody 
studies that because I want to find out if it's real, right? Yeah. Because you could correlate, I mean, you could correlate wearing baseball caps with getting Lyme disease, right? Because people wear baseball caps when they go camping, I don't know, whatever. And it's like, oh, that's what's causing it. But it's not. It's just a interesting connection. And then you have to pursue it more. And so right now we're in the interesting connection phase and we're moving more into the trying to show cause. And yeah. So we're just not at the cause yet. But you can drink your kombucha. It's all good. I mean, it is. I I just I really love I've been because I've been I've been visiting home mm-hmm. um, uh, here and there um, through through the summer. Uh, summer's a little slower for comedy shows, and I, Nobody's I like the, the Midwest in the, <laughs> in the summer. People have weddings and stuff like oh, that they're yeah, going yeah. to instead of family funny. vacations. Yeah, no. uh, <laughs> I'm not sure intentionally no, funny, right. um, but uh, but just you know, every every time I come back through uh, through town, I. Uh, I have all of these old memories bubbling up and right. just thinking of the, the number of contingencies that, that have shaped our lives in these, in these various ways of, of, uh, and I mean, I guess, I guess understanding the complexity makes, makes some of our problems, um, more interesting or like forgivable in a certain, like yeah, yeah. I, I think of like my, uh, you know, something that was like, my uncle giving me some atomic wedgie in front of a girl that I liked when I was, which is now kind of hilarious as an adult anyway, but deeply traumatizing as a child. But, 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 you know, I, I, I think of like the, you know, who bullied him growing up. And then that, that bully's dad, that was abusive because he had a rough day at work. And and I think of like that, that like in a way, it's like as hard, as terrible as it is that two generations ago, some guy like, yelled some insult at his son that made him that insecure that led to all like through doing that he was somehow like reaching through time and like like, giving me a wedgie which is really kind of magical there were a lot of hands on there there was a lot of tugging from way back from the grave tugging from the grave that's what we'll call it wedgies from the grave wedgies from the grave so uh, and you have to stop the madness so you just don't you just don't like now you will not give wedgies to others, uh, right? And we won't talk about if you already have. But from <laughs> this point forward, right, right, I right. Vow, I solemnly swear. <laughs> and how do we do that with our nutrition, yeah, with exactly. our diet, yeah, with yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and right. uh, and yeah. uh, that's especially uh, since we don't even know which things are responsible at this point, right? Except for the wedgie thing. But. Well, and then you don't. You also don't know, like, uh, just like when you're introducing some new species to, uh, to get rid of some other invasive thing. And now that becomes the invasive species. It's hard to know when you do, when you do set out to do a good thing, get rid of whatever virus, but yeah, Yeah, it's it's like that. That was, it, you know, if I true. would have never gotten that wedgie, would I have this podcast where now people are 
are having less wedgies. Maybe uh, that one wedgie yes. was so necessary to have, really for the there to be learned. less wedgies throughout <laughs> this is, the this world. This is the lesson learned. I think we've discovered your meaning of life. <laughs> this is like, I can't believe I just did this for you. That's amazing. Uh, but how, I mean, how do you, is that, do you think that maybe the hope is in um, building maybe um, more and more complex and powerful artificial intelligence modeling systems as we kind of figure out the mm-hmm. math of all of this stuff over sequencing DNA right. and everything else. You can kind of run these virtual universes of, of interactions <laughs> right, before what happens if we, <laughs> before we prescribe diet or, Swedish yeah, fish to yeah, everybody yeah, or something. Yeah. Um, what do you think the balance, uh, is there? How, yeah. how do you, how do you know, how do you know when like your meddling is See, like, I just don't know. I, I mean, I don't want to be a cynic, but I don't know if we ever do. Yeah. I mean, do we, because the things that people, I mean, hopefully most people do things for good reasons. Mm-hmm. There are some evil people, whatever, but you know, if you're trying to do something for the good, there's always going to be some downstream bad side effect that you couldn't have possibly ever foreseen and so you know then you just keep traveling through and trying to put out the fires as you go but i i mean i always tell again i tell students because we talk about some historical things that were done 100 years ago that were pretty crazy stupid um in our country about genetics like Mm -hmm. the whole eugenics movement and all of that so i talk about that and and you know and we look at back at the yeah, those people were so how what they were so dumb they thought no. that behaviors were controlled by a single gene like you, it was that simple and i say but you know we're looking at this now because we understand things better and i guarantee you 100 years from now people will look back on us and think we're just stupid as shit <laughs> for all the dumb things that we came up with that make no sense because we just know more things as we move forward so i mean what what's what's gonna be what's gonna be the first one to bubble up where people are like oof wait, wait, let's call some people out what are we thinking sociologists is that- <laughs> I am not I'm gonna take the fifth is that, can I take the fifth am I in court <laughs> I don't know where I, am. <laughs> uh, um, I yeah I mean I guess the main question on everyone's mind at this point is. Are your grandchildren yeah. into those little apple pies? Have you no. tested it? Is no. That weird? Well, no. that might be the but I, right. No, but see, my my daughter's been... really good about keeping them away from that kind of stuff. Okay. But they don't crave it. And see, and that's the thing. Like, I never. I had another kid, and I didn't crave them then either. So that might have been some weird one-off. Well, isn't that the? I mean during the uh what is it the third trimester where there's the whole reconstruction process of the olfactory neurons and it throws all of your taste buds and everything else out of out of whack or maybe just their dad's genes were more powerful in this apple pie regard yeah it's possible should study that next the male (laughs) influence on apple apple pie pie eating or something yeah um (laughs) It'll be a real, uh, it's as uh, a story as American yeah, as, as apple pie oh, out of a vending stop, machine. Stop, That was good. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I wonder how old they were, too. Oh, God. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, before we start wrapping up here, what, um, 
uh, I, I have my guests each week plug a charity of their choice. Did you have one in mind? Oh, oddly enough, the Hunger Task Force, hey! which is unrelated to the apple pie, but just kind of fell together. So, yeah. So, don't eat to that, but don't don't send apple pie. That's probably bad. Yeah. They need good, nutritious food. Yeah. I'll give them one apple pie a year, I feel like. Maybe. Well, that is a wonderful cause. Go to the Here We Are podcast dot com website to uh, find the link to that and to the partners um, pages of the of the podcast and learn more about how to get more science in your life let's see I, I, I always kind of one of the things I like ending with is um, thinking about the future we always have like a little bit of a history we've heard yes. we've heard the uh, your your background a little bit of the history of genetics and epigenetics uh, you can do either or both things that you're excited about in the future of the field of epigenetics and or your personal work like when you you got this new fancy lab with sure. all the doodads right you have like the doodad that you're like man I've, I've been wanting to get this doodad for so long and then now it's going to really uh help me cure all of infection for all of humanity <laughs> forever oh i would love to say that but um just having the new space and it's there's i mean everything works <laughs> in the other building um I called my lab the three season lab because I got rain, snow, and leaves in in the lab. They would be laying on the counter through the windows, so hmm. just so things just didn't function well. This is this is like a nice place to work. There's um, so it's not like a specific new piece of equipment or anything. It's just having the the room is is super nice, um, and it's gonna. It, plus, it's nice and quiet over here. And um, there's room for time for thinking, and I can squirrel myself away and, and spend some time doing that. Whereas um, in the other place, I was too close to. I mean, students are lovely, but sometimes you gotta just sit in a room and be quiet and, and be able to think. Mm -hmm. And so that didn't happen as much over there. But oh, quick other question sure. before you go: I, Where are? the yeast conferences taking place are they my guess is they're in like winona minnesota or something like no, that no, no, no. or, or where seattle are they? is, is oh, one of my favorite places okay well that's pretty good go. yeah 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 and it yeah. always seems to be during the week when it's like the most beautiful week of the year in seattle it's always been gorgeous um sometimes they're at princeton in okay. new jersey you know just stop talking about that yeah area. well um, new jersey but I, I coupled it with a new york city trip which was sure fun. i'd never been there so that was fun i like that places people like from that. new jersey don't know that like yeah that they're, they're, they're like into yeah. <laughs> new it jersey you know it isn't like wow i'm really glad I came here. <laughs> yeah. as opposed to seattle right i was like oh this is really cool there's lots of touristy things sure. there's just not a lot of touristy things um all right well that, that's good I'm, yeah. I'm happy that uh, no it's not i'm in, there was it's been in madison before okay so, all right is, you know it's pretty sweet it's nice. but of course for me it's not too exciting because all right tomorrow. future epigenetics what what's what's right well, around the I'm corner for us i'm hoping that people start that the, the next big breakthrough will be figuring out what the marks actually are and what they mean. So there's um, 
so there's a number of folks working on what the how do I say this how how the DNA is marked and how these things get put on what that means so that we could look at a gene look at the marks and then figure out exactly what's going to happen with respect to the gene in terms of it's being um, used or not and so that's like a whole language that has mm-hmm. to get understood so that's one of, and that is a I mean, that is something that I want to get the answer to, but I would never want to do it because the kind of work you have to do is super tedious, boring sounding to me. That's why we have people who love that stuff and are yeah. waiting. So, like, okay, you guys figure this out. And then I will get excited about it and teach it. But um, so we're, that's, I think, the big thing right now is being able to understand it. Cause, you know, so you can look at DNA sequence, you can look at gene like nucleotide, like ACGT, and get a sense of what the protein is going to look like. So there's a code, there's some sort of language that was discovered. That same language has to get discovered with regard to these marks too. Hmm. And then we'll be able to look at them and say, oh, that one's down and that one's up and you're going to get cancer, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. What's the biggest misconception out there in the pop cult? Because everyone's epigenetics is like the new buzzword out there. People that aren't interested in science are starting to uh, throw around this epigenetics thing. And and there's uh, like, it's, it's sometimes being hijacked by even the spirituality community or like the new agey community. And like, we can just transform ourselves into whatever we want. And if I just eat the right thing, I can be a unicorn. And, um, what, but you know, this is, this is the, really big issue with I, I guess it's not just science communication but definitely with science communication is is normally um you know you do an interview about something and in uh, the in the person interviewing you isn't like as funny and well-informed and great conversationalist and everything mm-hmm. like that but <laughs> sometimes you have to sometimes you have to like uh, talk with some newspaper person. Sure. They're looking for a little soundbite, right. and then they like twist around that little yes. soundbite, and then they make this clever little eye-grabbing headline it makes it sound like on the newspaper. It's all resolved. And, we know it all. It's over. And and people and then people like read the one headline, maybe scan a couple sentences, and then they're like talking about this around the water yeah, cooler. Yeah, what yeah. what what's what's some of the one or two of the big kind of uh, ways in which people are maybe being misled or misleading themselves? I, I think just generally all these. Um, sites that have come up that will that are promising you to um that prevent cancer you know all the scary things prevent heart disease prevent all these scary diseases that people don't understand well um by um doing this and this and then there's testimonials and there's this long thing about how blah 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 blah, my life and i turn it around and then all of a sudden at the bottom there's like and for 29.95 you too can whatever and i'm like uh this is all bullshit to sell your product yeah and and so um you know again i don't like to tell people how to spend their money um but at this point we don't know (laughs) we don't know so if you want to spend your 29.95 on some powder and it's gonna make you like live forever um it probably won't yeah and we used to call that snake oil salesman um and now it's just high tech and online I think and yeah well and nowadays it's you're 
I mean, the best you can hope for someone is that they just bought themselves some snake oil because yeah. some of the stuff is yes. might actually be yeah. quite dangerous. So you just want to, I don't know, grain of, you know, just take it all with a grain of salt, but not too much salt, apparently. <laughs> um, but yeah, so okay. if, if you, you know, someday we might know, right? But that is not today. And mm-hmm. that is not 10 years from today. It's going to be a long time. So just be careful with your pocketbook. Send it to the Hunger Task Force instead. Awesome. That was perfect. That was a plug. <laughs> thank you, Anne Galbraith, for joining me today. This is a lovely conversation. And thank you, listeners, for being such wonderful, curious people. Yes. We'll talk with you next week. Next week on the Here We Are podcast, Talking Bird Talk with Todd Freeberg fantastic guests talking about bird communication how they use uh, how communications role in attracting mates using it for territorial boundaries for there's its influence in speciation fascinating stuff and we also made fun of bird watchers a little bit which is fun i got a bird researcher to make fun of bird watchers so uh listen in for that uh, it's a real good time and uh, again i have one i've been i've been dusting off the good trip show recently because i'm i'm getting ready for head talks and uh, making sure i remember all that material and kind of getting back into that head space for head talks so i have added just some select dates for a good trip mostly the next one by the time you're hearing this is new market new hampshire and boston massachusetts coming up and then maybe adding some more soon we will have to see yeah outside of that i'm just so excited for head talks if you if you do want like a sneak preview um, i'm saying what a good presenter uh sophia is if you just google sophia rockland or you can you can find the head uh, the head talks on on my site you can find a preview page but if you google her the first video that comes out was as a video of her recent book release you can see her talking all about her book and um, she's fantastic and you'll and if you're coming to one of the shows it might help you come up with some good questions for us there's going to be a good q a afterwards i'm going to set things up with some psychedelic history she's going to talk about her book then i'm going to talk about dmt and then we're going to open up for a q a and then afterwards a meet and greet and book signing it's gonna be phenomenal hoping to add some other stuff to and really make it quite the event so stay tuned for that Thank you for tuning in, those of you that listen all the way to the end. You are, of course, my favorites.
Podcast Network.